Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play podcast, episode number eight. I'm David, and I'll be joined by Mark Hollywood, Alan Jones, and Darren Parr in today's show, where we're each going to choose four songs. This week's topic is going to be songs that our parents loved that we didn't hate, or maybe even secretly liked. You can expect that we'll probably go off script. If we don't, that'd be a disappointment for me, for sure. If you enjoy the show and the banter, then do head on over to our Facebook group, 4Play Podcast, and let us know your thoughts about today's choices and what you would have picked. In the show notes, I will include a link for our Spotify playlist of today's selections. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. We are doing this week where our podcast theme is songs our parents played that we didn't hate. That's correct. Or or maybe secretly liked. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Good. Should be interesting. Should be, should yeah. be. Um, let's say hello to everyone. Darren, Sunny Devon today, how are you doing? Hello, yeah, good morning. Yeah, you all right? Yeah, good. How was your um, demonstration in, in Newton Abbott yesterday? Really good, actually. Thank you. Um, yeah, quite effective. For anybody listening, there's um, plans from the council to gut our local theatre with hundreds of years of history to put a normal standard cafe type bar restaurant in there. Uh, we're campaigning, uh, hopefully not fruitlessly, to maintain it. But yeah, it's really good. We had almost 100 of us there yesterday with banners and placards and shouting to save it. All very tricky to protest at the moment because it's all socially distanced, obviously, and we're all masked up. And but it, it was good. It was a good start. Yeah. And hopefully, we can go on from there and make some more noise. I don't know why you're making such a song and dance about it. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> we won't be able to much longer if they cut it. <laughs> over dramatic for me. <laughs> and and so you'll be good, good. good luck, Dad. Thank you, yeah, hopefully. Let's get the word out there. You can all sign our petition. Yeah. Friends of the Alexandra Theatre, go and find it, sign it. Thanks, guys. Free Darren Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, they won't be so popular. <laughs> and giggling in the background is Alan Jones. How are you doing? I'm all right, Dave. Yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sunny Luton at the moment. Excellent. Very nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, enjoyed our little chat before, just talking about stuff we bought. Maybe we'll have a, uh, a podcast where we talk about some of the acquisitions we've made in recent weeks or recent months. Yeah. Yeah. Not for that. Be good. And we're maybe, in fact, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an back. excuse to buy some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it's probably in about five or six weeks until Record Store Day. So maybe we can have a little one just talking about what we might be aiming to queue up and to acquire oh yeah good yeah, one that's a good show yeah. i've got the list about a meter away from me and uh record store of dave virgin mark hollywood is on the line oh i, I was hoping to keep that to myself uh <laughs> morning morning all uh i'm, I'm just uh visions of darren with his placard uh do you have one, do you have one here? did you have a catchy tune or a chant um, well, we're not. We weren't quite sure if we we're allowed to sing at the moment. It's one of those oh. stupid COVID things. But um, we we did do a little sing song at one point. It's just kind of an impromptu one. Yeah. But we didn't want to shout or sing because there's a lot of police around, and we just thought, you know what, we're not gonna 
get into trouble. We're going to abide by the regulations and guidelines, and then maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> They don't, they don't make protesters like they used to. You know, back in the day in Ireland, <laughs> anything, anything you could lob at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was slightly calmer in it than yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah. It was, it was actually, Joe, I, I was thinking this. Um, <clears throat> recently, there's been a bit of violence in Belfast. And um, what's this? Egypt uh, lift a Molotov cocktail, you know, a petrol bomb. And uh, he went to lob it at the cops. Um, or as we call them, the peelers back home, and he dropped it and he set fire. He set fire to himself, and the way, went away. I shouldn't be laughing, <laughs> but I did. Oh. <laughs> and he went away in, in flames. And I just sat there. And the first thing I said was, "Yeah, they don't make them like they used to." <laughs> <laughs> we we yeah. used to be able to love them properly. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure you didn't resort to that to save the to save the uh, the building. No, in but, a couple uh, of months' time, we might need to, but not yet. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll come down and show you how to do it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, lad. Bring your votes for women, God down, Mark. Hey, <laughs> 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 get in the vote! Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Guys, let's, let's, um, let's push on then. And so back to our theme, songs that our parents loved that we didn't hate. Um, Darren, are you right to call out your first one? Yeah, okay, cool. This is a first. I think I've been first before. Uh, yeah, so I think, I don't know if I said in the last uh, episode, but I knew this was going to be really tricky for me, and it proved to be so, because I had a conversation with my mum about it, actually. She said, this is coming up. And she said, oh, I didn't play music when I had you. We played all our music in the 60s. So, <laughs> and, I mean, there was music from when I was born in 72, and there was music. Um, and there's bits and bobs I remembered, but I thought, is it going to be right for this show, first of all? Okay. And then I thought, does it matter? It's what This is what I heard. So I know my mum likes a lot of really good 60s music, yeah. but it wasn't playing when I grew up, okay. which is what we're doing today, right? Yeah. So I've literally gone for music that she did play when I grew up. And when I sort of dug deep and thought about it, there was quite a lot in there. So Brilliant. this first one is in there because... It's the only thing I remember her playing most Sunday mornings. Um, it's a Canadian songstress. She grew up in Spring Hill in Nova Scotia. and uh, She's always at home with a soft rock or country tune or a ballad. Uh, she's cited as one of the female Canadian artists to pave the way for uh, Katie Lang, Celine Dion, Shania Twain. She's won four Grammys, sold over 55 million copies of her records. Um, it's a lady called Anne Murray. Uh, you may well be aware of, I don't know. Alan's shaking his head, Mark's doing a little mm, nod. No. Um, but yeah, um, and there was a few songs I could have selected, but I've gone for a song. You might recognise the song, Mark, because this one has been recorded by Bing Crosby, Lynn Anderson, Loretta Lynn, and even Elvis Presley. But Anne Murray's is actually the most recognised version of this song. It's a song called Snowbird from 1969 which you probably would recognise when you heard it. It's one of those, I think. Um, yeah, and I just literally grew up hearing it all the time. That's why it's in there. Um, Anne Murray, just a little fact for you. Anne Murray tried to get in the early 1960s onto a sing-along jubilee, it was called, a variety show, musical variety show. She was turned down, not offered a singing position, and went and became a PE teacher. 
Mm. And since then, she's had countless albums. She only just recently stopped performing, I think. Uh, she's been going to fairly recently. And that's my choice number one. Excellent. More popular than Elvis. <laughs> oh, no, I must admit, never heard of her. Interesting. Okay. Did, did, did you mention I it to your mum? I don't believe I've ever heard of her. I didn't tell mum what choices I was going with, okay. actually. Yeah, so she's going to listen to this. Then, I, yeah, I can I can put them on. I can put your four at the beginning of the um, Spotify playlist if you want, and she can listen oh, to them on there. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah. So is anybody aware of her and her work? I'm aware of the song Snowbird. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I I'm going to take that one out. Um, I was pro I was nodding just to I, I don't know maybe maybe I've still got the shakes from last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, so I'm all here. Then none of you are really aware, is that right, David? Yeah, I, I know, I know her name. I know the song "Snowbird," but I haven't tied the two together. Okay, which is good. Which is good. Have you yeah, actually played yeah. it? Did the Beatles sing it? The Beatles do it. That's Blackbird, man. No, no, that was uh, that was one of the party. Yeah, I didn't see the Beatles had done it when I was no. researching it. But... Perhaps I'm thinking of something else. Yeah. And there's another song which I thought would have been the same era, but there's a song called You Needed Me, which is a really nice ballad, uh, which I thought was from, probably from the same album, but it was actually recorded nearly 10 years later. And it was a tough toss-up between those two, which one I went for. But Snowbird was the biggest one that launched their career, really, so I went for that. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm just, just reading about it. She, um, he, the, the guy who wrote it, uh, he wrote it in 20 minutes while walking on a beach in Prince Edward Island. Um <laughs> Yeah, which is Prince Edward, that's off the west coast. Right. If you've never been, you've got to go. It's lovely. Okay. Yeah, British Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've been out that way. Lovely, fantastic. Yeah. Claire's got yeah. family out there. In fact, in, in fact, I'm wearing my Vancouver Canucks top today. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. We were on that. Over yeah. chances. Yeah. We, we were on a family chat a couple of weekends, or Easter. Um, and uh, so we've Claire's sisters out there, and or one of her sisters and her brothers out there. Um, and I asked how the Canucks are doing because when we were out there, I don't know, two thousand eight, something like that, they they were doing really well. But it's not going so well for them. This this or it hasn't done for a little while, has it? Yeah, they're they're they're, they're off the boil. Uh, yeah, they're the big rivals, Toronto, or yeah, sucking diesel. It's an amazing country. Oh, I'd move yeah. there. I'd move there in a drop of a hat. Well, oh. I, I, I don't. I don't know if you know this, but um, at, at the time, two thousand and five, um, I'd applied to to head out there oh, permanently. Yeah. With my my then ex wife, and uh, she got cold feet. Um, oh. and and I'm looking back, and I well, she would have taken Canada, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, 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 I had a job lined up in Toronto, and uh, but, but the ultimate aim was to, to move to Vancouver. But um, if your granny had balls, she'd be your granda, you know. So <laughs> it is what it is. That's true. <laughs> Let's move on. That mental image won't leave otherwise. <laughs> okay. Uh, you're up, Mark. Me, right. Okay. Uh, this first one um so mum and dad had passed away dad passed away in 2009 mum five years ago uh friday passed uh so these songs are more kind of like uh, when i hear them uh, it conjures up images of 
uh, them and what they were doing. And uh, this one in particular, um, it was recorded in 61, released in 63, but became a massive hit for Linda Ronstadt um, in 1977, where it, it got into the top five in the States. Um, it's written by the big old Roy Orbison and a guy called Joe Melson. Uh, the, the song that sticks out um, prominently in his collection is Blue Bayou. And every time I hear Blue Bayou, it just um, it takes me away to a different place. Reminds me so, so much of my dad. Um, I, I don't think this was his favourite, but it, I wasn't a massive fan of Roy Orbison. I couldn't stand his warbling. I couldn't get the fact, you know, his, his voice was, you know, there's no denying it. It was incredibly powerful. Um, but I just couldn't get into the big O at all until I heard this song. I thought, oh, this this is this, this is beautiful, you know. And there's a, a touch of a love song about it, but it's more like a hankering for going back to where um, he belongs. So, yeah, for that reason, Blue by You, uh, it's, it's a song that I wouldn't admit or would have admitted at the time in, in my teens and early 20s to like him. Uh, Dad and I had a bit of a rivalry when it came to um, what was good and what was bad. He was very, very orthodox in, his, in what he liked, with the exception of he, he was a big fan of The Who. So a big, a big call out to Andy Slavin there. Um, <laughs> but Dad was down, he was down the line with Elvis Roy Orbison and uh, he, he would never deviate um, he would rarely deviate from, from that kind of music and it was just played to death um, however this, this song um, really does uh, con- conjure up the memories for me so that's why that's got in uh, as oh. my first choice Brilliant, again I can't quite place Blue Bayou but Roy Orbison I mean, that's a, a voice you'll, you'll hear and never forget isn't it? Mm-hmm. I had a greatest hits uh, I think on CD and then he, because uh, at the time he was starting to get, he bought an album, didn't he? That I, that was quite popular. Um, he he made a he, he made a kind of resurgence in the eighties nineties. Yeah. He had you you got it, That's and I, yeah, I I drove all night. Yeah, and then of course. Yeah, yeah, and then there were the traveling Wilburys who were Wilbrays, absolutely yeah. fantastic. I, I've watched the documentary on him, and he. he you know, he, he would come across as holier than, you know, well, cleaner than white, whiter than white, but uh, he, he actually had quite a turbulent time of it uh, in the 70s. Ooh. Oh, did he? Yeah. He was blind, wasn't he? No, no. There, there's all this rumour. I used to wind uh-huh. my dad up about this. I used to say that he was albino, and my dad's like, he wasn't albino. I says, well, why is he wearing the glasses? Yeah. So my dad would get really wound up about this. So um, I would um, refer to the big O as the albino, and uh, <laughs> he didn't like that at all. So he he wasn't he didn't have a um, sight impediment or anything like that. Though. Not no nothing. It was just part of the character. Oh well, wow! I not, never knew yeah. that. Not, there you go. Not like Bono does. That was a million dollar. <laughs> that was a million pound question on uh, who oh. wants to be a millionaire. I've just blown it. I yeah, and I was sitting there. I was sitting there shouting at the telly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Roy Orbison, if you look at Roy Orbison's earlier albums, he's got the glasses that you have on at the minute. Yeah, 
Oh, right. Ah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah. In fact, these are Roy's. <laughs> they are Roy's. Yeah, yeah, Roy Castles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, same for me. I'm the same as David there. I don't, I no, I know Roy Orbison. I know the big hits. I can't place that song at all, though. I can place I can place the song uh, and somebody singing those words. If you, I couldn't tell you what the rest of the words were or how the song yeah. started or ended. No, no, I'm not going to sing it for you. I'll spray you that. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should listen to. Well, we could talk about cover versions of what was better. Uh, Linda Ronstadt's version is is lovely, and it it was a massive hit. I think it got to number three or two. In, in the states and it was in the country charts and um get, yeah give it a listen i mean everybody's heard uh uh only the lonely and pretty yeah. woman songs like that but uh <laughs> he, he had a few i i love this one and it's over yeah. um it's over is a great ballad but uh yeah give this one a listen and, and listen to Brilliant. linda ronstadt's version as well when you get a chance, you know what? We're still yeah, both quite an attractive, attractive lady, wasn't she? She was stunning, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's a good one. I'll stick both of them onto the onto the playlist. I'll spread them about apart, obviously. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. So, Alan, over to you. Okay, I've got my first one. Um, I mean, this to be honest, this bloke has already been mentioned at least once by Mark and also uh, by Darren already. Um, this, this song's performed by one of the, he's probably one of the most famous singers in the world who's, you know, we've ever known. And but to be honest, I don't really get him. Um, anyway, this song was written and composed by uh, a chap with a great name called Red, Red Foley <laughs> and Arthur Willis. Right way back in 1933, it was about Red's uh, German Shepherd dog um, who got unfortunately poisoned by the next door neighbor. Anyway, roll on a few more years, and on the 3rd of October 1945, at the age of 10, Elvis Presley sang this song wow. in his first ever public performance. But you didn't know that no. and the song is called old chef uh, and his version was released in 1956 i mean basically i love this because it reminds me of my dad who bought it and um, my sheepdog spot and that's oh. all i can say oh. on that matter hug. breaking down oh that's brilliant um, big hug, big hug, man. Yeah. yeah and uh, for you listening, watching at home, uh, in black and white, there is a picture of said Elvis and uh, the EP uh, and the lovely RCA Victor label that we love. Nice. But, uh, wow. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm... glad that that label oh. was used by far more important person in, yeah. in music that, that that's another song yeah you, so is that your dad's or is that your own that that is the actual copy yeah oh, that, he, that he bought 
Wow, it's brilliant. It's in, it's in pristine condition. Yeah. It, um, I sleep with it every night it's under <laughs> my bed where all my seven-inch singles are stored. I've got about a thousand of them under the bed. Oh, Can't so be bad. comfortable. No, it's not. <laughs> Do you want to come back to mine? Takes <laughs> me ages to, to get off. I'm too busy listening to the music which is under me. But yeah, it's um, it's a very sad song. And um, I don't know if you remember, Alan. Did you hear? Did you ever see Blamange? Because they did. They used to do that as a as a song, a cover song. Oh, I never heard that. No. I didn't yeah. know that. No, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, because a big fan of the Munch, but I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's very moving, um, very sad, as you say. Yeah, it's um, it says the dog was poisoned, and it said the owner almost was drawn to you know to putting him out of his misery by shooting him, but he he, he didn't do it in the end. But um, but yeah, the, the, I think the vet did something. But yeah, what a, what um what a subject really to write a song about. Yeah, I think it's opening up a new podcast, um, Saddest Songs. Saddest Songs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that would probably be in there. But yeah, um, Elvis, I don't get. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, but I do like that song. Yeah, there was um, a biopic. I don't know if you've ever seen the Elvis biopic, where I think it was Kurt Russell playing Elvis. Yeah. That song actually features really heavily in that. It's quite yeah. a theme and... And I, and I think it's Kurt Russell. I don't think he's um, miming it. I think he's singing, but it, it's really, really nice. Beautiful yeah. song. Great choice. Yeah. Brilliant. That's good. Okay, nice one. So um, Over to you, Dave. Right, so I'm going to start with um, a, a musician born in Crackham, going further back, born in 1910, Jean Reinhardt. Um, uh, who's a Belgian-born Romani-French jazz guitarist. Uh, and he was the first major jazz talent to come out of Europe, um, later known by his Romani nickname as Django, Django Reinhardt. He started recording at the age of, or his first, wrote his first song at the age of 17, um, which was incredible. Um, he was about to record his first album, um, it just got married, and a couple of months later, when he was going to bed with his uh, with his wife in their wagon, he knocked over the candle, which then ignited a, a valuable celluloid that his wife had um, to to make flowers. The whole wagon caught fire. Um, they managed to escape, but he did suffer quite a lot of burns over half of his body. Good news is is that after eighteen months of hospitalisation, the doctors had to amputate um, part of his one of his legs. Um, but Ryan Hart refused to have surgery. Um, sorry, they wanted to amputate his leg, but they refused it. It was obviously made of hard stuff. He lost a couple of fingers, but in fact that then led on to a, a guitar playing style which became renowned around the world at that time. Um, he he became uh, a very well-known guitarist um, who wrote songs in his own right. Um, together with Stefan Grappelli, they formed the the Paris-based quintet du Hot Club de de France. 
and they were the first ones or the first band that actually had a, a guitar as the lead instrument and then whenever they had visiting musicians who came over to to france this was before the war coleman hawkins benny carter um duke ellington and then later duke ellington um they all got involved and started playing um the music and took some of that back with him i mean even today there are still annual django festivals that take place um in the states and and in europe but for me my dad was a, a big fan of uh Django Reinhardt and I suppose I can see how I I now picked up that that love of the sort of the the, the gypsy style guitar which features in quite a lot of the the music which I I do enjoy um, and I picked one one song of that that they did as part of the um Hot Club of of France and that is Minor Swing but there's a whole catalog of them I mean back in the day you would have been able to pick up a a, a CD or a, which has got 20 hits they just kept on going and going so it's i'm not expecting anyone's necessarily heard of django reinhardt or even of the 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 band he was in but for me it's another one of those it's uh memories memories of my dad when when i hear that for sure and uh good memories as well you're spelling that d-j-a-n correct yeah oh, yeah because i think i mentioned earlier um yeah before we started recording about new albums, I thought, and um, there's an, uh, a band called Django, Django, Django. Yeah. And um, whenever I search anything on uh, eBay or, right. or that, this guy comes up, and I think he, he one of his albums was called Django, Django. Oh, okay. That's you. You could end up buying getting a real bargain until it comes through the door. Then I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, I'm aware of this chap. I didn't, I didn't know what sort of music it was, but yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 what you'd expect if you were to watch a a movie set in Paris with a smoke-filled jazz club, and you've got different instruments playing, and if, if you've got the guitar as the the lead instrument, uh, and I think something about the fact that the the fingers that he lost, he managed to. Um, managed to find a way of playing even missing two fingers which uh worked really well, obviously worked really well for him and it's something that was a uh, uh, i think a testament to his resilience i mean to, to not have your leg amputated to to play through all of that after having been through the agony we think think back we're talking here in 19 1918 when this happened you know, there wouldn't have been much in the way of painkillers available to them so yeah. um, fantastic Ooh. I'm guessing I'm guessing there's more of a link there and Django Django presumably he's got their name from Reinhardt perhaps yeah I, I think so wants to look yeah. up I guess so I look yeah. yeah from Scotland okay, okay. Yeah, I think he's from Edinburgh actually yeah yeah Mark do you know them uh, <laughs> not not personally no <laughs> uh, no I seriously I don't I don't. Uh, they've probably been popping about the music scene, and um, they've they've gone under my radar. Well, they're worth checking so, out. Can I get their first uh, app? There's a recommendation for you. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna look them up and see see what the crack is with them. C careful though, because you might find that uh, you'll get an album by a guy called Django Reinhardt, 
Yeah, it might be <laughs> might be two ninety nine, but it's not going to be the same as the band from Edinburgh. <laughs> But it wouldn't be a bad thing by the side of it. No, definitely well one said. I'm going to check out as well. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay, end of round one. Moving on to round two. Um, Darren, you're up yeah. again. Back to me then, yeah. So pretty short and sweet, this one, really. Um, it's a very merry song that I've gone with from 1967. Um, it's a song written by Randy Newman actually, uh, about a sincere young man who entertains affluent members of the public with a dancing bear. Um, this song was originally written for Frank Sinatra. Uh, it never got to Frank Sinatra. It was going to be called Susie or Mary. And apparently Randy Newman, as he was writing it, just suddenly ended up with the lyrics, coat to wear and dancing bear. And thought, <laughs> how am I going to make this into a song? Uh, but he did. So it's a song called Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear from 1967, um, written by the Alan Price set and Alan oh, Price, right. um, who was the original keyboard player with the Animals and born in 1942. Um, when he left the Animals, he actually had 14 studio albums. I could only tell you one other song that he'd done. Um, so maybe I should listen to some more. But the Jarrow song as well is quite a big song of his. And Again, it's just a song that I remember my mum playing probably in the car or at home and dancing around the front room to. Uh, really, if you if you don't know it, really worth a listen. It's a really good catchy song. I think it's all over in about one minute fifty seconds. Short, snappy, and energetic. Um, also, in recent years, been covered by Morrissey as well. All oh, right. I think it was on his Swords tour, and he did a snippet of it for a minute or so. I think. But, yeah, uh, so there you go. So Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear. Anyone aware? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you'll love it. You'll love it. I, 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 I'll, de I'll definitely. Uh, I'll be. I'll be listening to it. I, I do. There is a very tenuous link though, um, and, and it's a shout out to my best friend. I've known him since I was seven years old, Kevin Connell. Uh, Kevin and I were having a pint in a pub called Courtney's in, in Uri one day and this guy just came up and, and joined us. Now that, that's not unusual back home um in Ireland. You know, people just come up randomly. It's it's you wouldn't find it as much over in Scotland or England. But anyway this guy came over. Little did we know that he was um <laughs> he was a bit, you know, um he had a bit of a screw loose, shall we say, and that um yeah, he was he was he was very very unhinged, but um, he sat with us and, and professed to be the bass guitarist for the Animals. <laughs> and these were the days before you could sit on your phone and Google who the bass guitarist for the Animals was. But he he opened with this absolute cracker of a line. He said, "Will you buy me a pint if I tell you?" He says, "I was I was a member of a very famous band in the '60s." Okay, he said, I'll give you three clues. He said, he said they begin with the letter A and you find them in the zoo. So we're going, um, oh. aardvarks, yeah. antelopes. I, 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 and then he lost the rag and he's like, animals. It's the animals. <laughs> oh, was, was, we're sitting there going, holy Jesus, oh, it's like House of the Rising Sun. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. And then we soon we soon realised that he was um yeah, he was he was a bit 
<laughs> it's a bit short of something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we get out of there quick, sharp. But the boys behind the bar, because I, I work behind the bar there, but they, obviously I was just coming home as a student and that. Uh, they it was a total setup. <laughs> it was a total setup. This this guy oh, really? was, was basically directed towards us. You know, go for talk to those two lads. And uh, yeah, so that that's that's my only tenuous link to that song. Are the animals? <laughs> well, Aaron, if I said to you, I might go out tomorrow if I can borrow a coat to wear. I'm stepping out in style with my something, something in my dancing bear. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that would bring I, back. I have that song. I've got it upstairs under my bed, as I've already said. Right. It's a fantastic. I've played it to death. Yeah. I've played it to death. I can even remember like the last. You said it is a short song. Yeah. But um, I don't know if it's recorded live or something, but towards the end it goes all quiet and then there's all like applause. Do you remember that bit? Yeah, I, I watched a couple of live videos of it on YouTube yesterday and they all seem to end a bit like that. Yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah, I've played it to death. Um, and I've also got the Jarrow song as well. So, Excellent. That's another yeah. song. About yeah. Jarrow Crusades, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love that song. I play, I, I tell you what, I've heard it once, I could today then i could relay all the lyrics excellent. um I, you know i've played it that much and sang along with it just like you said you're jumping around the room to it guy um mark you need to listen to this song listen to it today it's fantastic yeah. put it on tonight with a beer yeah. oh well i'll do that with a bear did you say yeah yeah it was off my off stuff. My was stuff. That's, that's made a comeback actually. Is it? Yeah, you um it's um it's not the well, I think I've just bought the name. But um yeah, I get a lot of it coming up on when I'm going down Facebook, they're advertising it. Okay. And um I don't think you can buy it in supermarkets. It only seems to be available on like mail order. But yeah, it's um, oh, you know, yeah. brewed in the German style, you know, the uh, you know, to the street, whatever law it is, the something law of something, maybe something, <laughs> and um, it's supposed to be very nice, but I haven't, um, I haven't ordered any yet. Okay. Okay. Oh, there you go. It's good. That's what we need. Darren, I've well, not, he I've not heard that one. Nobody knows poor Anne Murray, but no. <laughs> that one was yeah. Not right. <laughs> oh no, it's Alan Price. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Price, I saw him at. Support uh, playing for um, Van Morrison right? at Torquay when I saw yeah. him. Oh, did you? He was the only good thing on the on. The, well, he was the only good thing that I saw on on the stage that day. So, did he sing Simon Smith live on that occasion? I don't think you need an answer to that. Amazing. <laughs> He's not allowed to keep like playing it. It's amazing, charming when you're something. It's just amazing that people can be. We put it on the playlist and see how accurate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. So with the Alan. Great choice. Okay. Well, thank you, Alan. Your your turn now. Don't know if you want to sing this one or if you're going to tell us about it. This was uh, composed by a very famous contemporary composer, Henry Mancini. Mm. 
and uh, yeah. with lyrics written by Johnny Mercer. And um, my research was originally performed by Audrey Hepburn in uh, the 1961 oh, yeah. movie Breakfast at Tiffany. Yeah. Oh, uh, it yeah. won't surprise you uh, guys to know that I've never seen this film. Um, but um, and there have literally been hundreds of versions of this song being recorded over the years from Andy Williams to Rod Stewart The Killers, R.E.M. and Morrissey even Morrissey doing another cover version again yeah but the the version I'm um, uh, remembering is uh, released in Oh, that's my battery, guys. But I've got five percent left. I should be okay. Um, this version was released in October 1961 by a guy called Danny Williams. It's called Moon River. Yeah. Um, I love it because my mum said it was playing on the radio a lot. Um, shortly after I was I was born in um, December 1961. You know when in those days. When you had a baby, you stayed in hospital for at least a week. Yeah. And um, she said that was playing a lot and um, eventually became number one in the final week of the year. He's only got 10 lines in this song. It's a very short, um, short song. But, you know, it has become an instrumental, you know, played over right. the years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, some of the lyrics, are, you know, the few lyrics are in there. It makes the hairs on the back of my neck stick up. It's... Um, uh, two drifters off to see the world. There's such a lot of world to see. Where after the same rainbow's end, waiting round the bend, my moon, my huckleberry friend, Moon River and me. Great lyrics. I mean, where do you start to compose something like that? And um, yeah, a great song. I'm just trying to remember how that fitted into the film because it wasn't that kind of film, was it? I haven't seen it, Dave, so it could be anything. You can. Um, it was. She was. She was sitting. I think she was sitting on a boat, and uh, she was. Right. Yeah, and there, there was moonlight in the background, and it was a little rowboat. Pretty sure of that. I'm a huge fan of the song. I love the song, and it, it it never fails to bring a tear to my eye when I hear it. It's um, it's it's just uh, it's pure. That's it. And Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. she was she was up, she was up on my wall when I was a student. Um, just the beautiful Audrey Hepburn and her singing it. Oh, it's it's a great choice, Alan. Well done, mate. Nice one. Yeah, yeah, really nice song. And I absolutely. I mean, I I think I've never heard a bad version of it, but the Morrissey version I really do love. Um, I think it's on the B side to single. Hold on to your friends, if I remember oh, is it? correctly. Um, yeah, got, I think I've got that upstairs on CD. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I'm right there. Have a listen to it. But yeah, beautiful song, great choice. Brilliant. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's timeless, isn't it? Well, it's a standard, yeah. isn't it nowadays? Yeah, yeah. timeless song, and it's best say it's been recorded by all the greats and and some not so greats. Mm. Um, but yeah, beautiful song. Uh, no, she's she's sitting on the window. That's what she's doing. Oh, that she's makes playing sense. Playing the guitar. Yeah. Yeah, it's just sitting in the window. That's what it is. Yeah. George Peppard's not. Is he in that scene then? Jo- uh, no, she's on her own. Right. With the wee, wee guitar. Okay. And she's just sitting against the uh, 
Yeah, the window, window frame. Look yeah. at outside. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Lovely. Nice one. That, that's that's another great contribution. So, uh, Mark, over to your good self. Yeah. So this guy's come up before in in the conversation and with one of the previous choices. Uh, I'm with Alan on this one. Um, I'm not. I, I just can't get my head around why he was so massive. But I'm sure there'll be people out there screaming at me to say. I'll tell you why he was massive. I mean, huge character. This this song anyway came out originally. It was recorded in '53. It wasn't a hit initially. Um, <clears throat> the the first uh, record company ditched it, didn't want it. Second record company took it, and it's been covered numerous times by uh, people like Ella Fitzgerald, Art Lund, Rex Allen, and the Orioles. So this this song once again, it's uh, one one of the two artists that my dad would just play constantly, and this is the favorite of 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 uh, of mine of his songs, Elvis Presley, and it's crying in the chapel, and I like it because my dad really did like the song, and he would sing it, and he was like myself, a dreadful singer, nowhere near as good as Alan, and um, <laughs> he. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Elvis, I think this was his second, after Return to Sender, his, his second first million or, or million seller. Uh, it, it went huge, and I think it was about 1968, it says. So, uh, Crying in the Chapel by Elvis Presley. You'd be glad to know that that's the last of Roy Orbison and Elvis Presley in my in my list of four. So, But as I, as I said, like Alan, I, Dad, Dad would play it, and I, I could appreciate Presley, um, but I couldn't get into him, and I don't know what it is in Ireland. There's, you know, if you if you walk into a Catholic house, you've got the Pope, John F. Kennedy, Jack Charlton, and maybe a picture of Elvis Presley on the wall. Uh, you see, he was absolutely huge, um, and and yeah, Dad was a huge fan as well. And and this is the song that reminds me of him, and epitomizes his. I guess his love for Presley. Yeah, another brilliant song. Yeah, not much you can say about it. I mean, no, a bit different than Alan. I mean, I, I I do get Elvis. I really enjoy a lot of Elvis songs. It's not something I put on all the time, um, but I guess that's a slower song, isn't it, than you used to with Elvis? Yeah, yeah. Not rock and roll, is it? It's more yeah. chill. Really. Yeah, but yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I do like, you know, I do like uh, Way Down and Burning Love and yeah. a little less conversation, Suspicious Minds, great tracks. It's just, uh, he was he was absolutely massive, even, uh, you know, up to, up to his demise in 1977. He was still selling out the shows. He was just a huge, massive character. Um, but I, I couldn't say that I was... Uh, a huge fan, like, or, you know, I, I couldn't listen to him constantly. He, he's nice to dip in and out of. Yeah. Nice. Alan, you can <laughs> give us a little turn on that one. You're looking up the lyrics. Oh, you saw me crying in the chapel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you read any um, biographies or not, but there's, uh, there's a couple of tomes by this guy, Peter Goralnik, um, Last Train to Memphis, which gets very deep into his whole world um uh and it feels reading it 
it feels like it's a bit of an unmasking to me. <laughs> it's a very much yeah. a warts and all story about what happened or what it was like, what what how much was it Colonel Tom sort of managed his world um and did enough just to keep keep Elvis appeased whilst you keep and, and and control him so just keep on cranking out the hits um, yeah of course i think i think i think the song as well for me i mean i'm just looking at the lyrics and it reminds me of how uh like for, for example my mum's my anniversary i've mentioned that it was on friday and um i, I went to chapel for the first time in oh uh, i don't know a year and a half because you, you couldn't you can't go you couldn't go and I went in. It was a very surreal, very, very emotional experience. Um, you know, counting the people in, wearing masks, distanced. And chapel's always been a place for me. Um, you know, one of the lines in, in the song is, take your troubles to the chapel, get down on your knees and pray. Your burdens will be lighter and you'll surely find the way. And that's what I do experience when I go. To, to chapel and I guess when my dad was listening to that it did resonate it's a very it's a very powerful kind of gospel ballad and um, yeah I, I almost thought it would be played at his, his, his funeral but it, it wasn't <laughs> we we weren't we weren't allowed to play any rock <laughs> so uh, yeah no, that's good it, it's yeah, unlike other out of the songs that are, they're not as deep as this one. Mark, we always knew this was going to be, um, I'd say difficult, but it'd be some um, sort of deep memories for, for us when we were thinking back to some of these songs, especially for, for those of us who don't have one or two of our parents around anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's a yeah, I like that. revisit as well. Have a good listen to that one. Yeah, brilliant yeah, stuff. Alan's and Alan's back with us. Yeah, I'm back. back in the room. Back in the room. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Cool. What are we up to, Dave? Yeah, so it's me to to do my one. One's going to be fairly, okay. be fairly short. This one. Um, but very much is if I was to think of any musician that my or artist that my my parents liked, this would be the first one that'd come to mind. It's Glenn Miller. Um, so he's a big band leader uh, who who sadly lost his life during the Second World War. Um, there's all sorts of stories at the time about why you know why why he disappeared i don't think they ever recovered his plane there was some elvis type stories about him maybe not having died but it was uh, his his music and his big sound was very much um the, the sound of the world war ii era and when he passed he was mourned throughout the states uh, and if i remember the the um chattanooga, chattanooga choo choo was one of the biggest songs to ever come out. Um, in fact, it was at the time. In fact, it was the first album to receive a, a gold record for it because it's uh, at one point wow. two one point two million sales. It's hard to imagine back then, isn't it? Oh yeah. On there, but I, and in fact, for me, I'm going to go with. Uh, I think it came as like a, a double A side. 
Chattanooga Choo Choo and the Sun Valley Serenade. Um, I could have put String of Pearls. I could have put a number of other ones on there. But certainly just pop that on and I can just imagine, see my dad tapping his toes, enjoying it. And I suppose the other vivid memory is watching, there was that biopic, I forget who played Glenn Miller in the film. And and the dev- devastation at the end when, when it sort of cuts away, sorry, plot spoiler here, is when he goes off on the plane and then he never comes back again. Mm. Really a tough one um, on there. But good memories. I'm, I'm not huge, huge into big bands. I, I do quite like quite a lot of different types of jazz, not necessarily that, but it always puts a smile on my face when, when I hear Glenn Miller being spun. Yeah, I think it was film. I must see that film actually. Yeah, oh. it was the great James Stewart, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah, I think because he had he didn't often dress up, did he? Because he had he had the glasses, the mm-hmm. Glenn Miller glasses, and and in his uniform as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, great film. I loved it, and I, I, I actually loved Glenn Miller. Yeah, uh, it's it's foot tap and stuff, and it, it really is of a of an era with the big band and. Uh, you can you can just imagine being being there back then and him being so massive and yeah. the shock of his, his his death during the war. <laughs> James Lance has tried to I guess oh. emulate him to to an extent, slightly different. But Glenn Miller came out with original yeah. stuff. He didn't do covers. Yeah, very true, very true. Yeah. Look, uh, look, James Lance. I mean, if I think we we know there's how however many kind of original artists there were, there's always then spurned or produces I won't say copies but people get inspired by them who sort of take the, the sound away. So um why not his legacy lives on, even if it is through James Last. <laughs> yeah. Well whenever I hear about um Chattanooga Choo Choo, I can't help but think uh, it always puts me links me to one of my favourite films. Okay. I don't know if anyone remembers the scene in Young Frankenstein, where you've got the late great Gene Wilder. He turns up and, uh, pardon me, boy, he says, "Is this Transylvania Station?" And the young guy, yeah, yeah, track twenty nine. Can I give you a shy? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Links yeah. me to that every time. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. So I, I, love, I, love, I love that film too. Oh, it's Brilliant. such a good film. Yeah. Marty Feldman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and two legends in that, Marty Feldman yeah. and Wilder. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Darren, your turn to take it away then. Round three. All right. Well, you said yours was a short one. This is going to be even shorter. Um, so this is a song written originally in 1950, which I didn't realise, by Meredith Wilson. Um, it was originally called Till I Met You for the show The Music Man. Um it since it changed its title and it was then covered by Peggy Lee, Chet Atkins, Sonny Rollins, Ray Charles, Rod Stewart, who somebody mentioned a minute ago, and Catherine Jenkins. Um, it was then recorded by a band you may have heard of called the Beatles in 1963. <laughs> um, and I don't remember, I, I, I've kind of tweaked the um parameters here a little bit, so I don't remember either of my parents playing it because they played all their music in the 60s, as I said earlier, which makes it really hard. But my dad used to sing it all around the house, every weekend, every evening. He still sings it now every so often. And it was called Till There Was You. 
So all I remember, all I ever hear is my dad walking around the house singing, there were bells on a hill, but I never heard them ringing. <laughs> so, so that's why that one's in there. They must have played it, but I just remember my dad singing it more often than anything else. That's all I've got to say on that one. Have you got a version of your dad singing? We can put that on the list if you want. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll get him to listen to this. So dad, can we just um, yeah. we do it clips and then we'll... Come on, Brian, give us a song. <laughs> Come on, Brian. Yeah, we'll sort that out. <laughs> oh, but it's the Beatles version you're putting in there, yeah? Yes, please. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. In the bag. Absolutely. Thank you. It's about it's about time we had some Beatles. <laughs> yeah, I think so. We don't talk about them enough. No, we don't. We don't actually. I know, I know we've we've touched on it. Uh, you know, Beatles are the Stones or the Who or the Kinks, and uh, I, I, the Beatles win for me every time. But we've, you know. Uh, and they've got great songs like that that um, are under the radar as well. Mm. Well, I'm yeah. thinking that maybe over the next few episodes we, we work our way through the decades. So four songs from the 60s, yeah. from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s. Yeah, definitely. Um, which would be good. Uh, I'll, have, I'll, have, I'll have one for, from the Beatles, the Stones, the Kinks and the Who. <laughs> I think we knew that already, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. That's good. Um, where do I go now? Um, Alan, you're on mute, so I'm going to go to Darby O'Gill. Darby O'Gill, that's me. All right. So this song is uh, was autobiographical. Um, songwriter is a guy called Shell Silverstein. Um, it's all about his uh, not-so-successful um, attempts to um, get the girly loves back. Uh, my mum my got this album, the album of this band, uh, just r- randomly. She, just a bit of background, but I, I guess the reason for my eclectic taste in music is, is all down to my mum. My she would um, feed me music. It was, it was fantastic. She would watch Top of the Pops. She'd sit and watch uh, The Tube and uh, what was the other one? Uh, the old grey whistle test right. and uh, she'd let me watch it with her and uh, I, I would just be uh, saturated in music anyway she got this album from Dr Hook and, the, and the, the medicine show it was the greatest hits and I had to listen to it and I thought oh it's okay you know it's all right it's a bit cheesy when you're in love with a beautiful woman and all that uh, but this this one song I absolutely love and have loved for many years uh, and it just so reminds me of her when I hear it. Uh, it's Sylvia's mother, and um, it was it was a big hit for them. If if you um, if you listen to Doctor Hook, this is probably one of three or four of their biggest their biggest hits. So I think it came out in seventy two, and um, along with uh, Sexy Eyes, which is another cheesy wow. one. Um, so yeah, this is going to uh, number three, and um, it's uh, it, it's it's one it's one from uh, my my mum. Oh, brilliant! Nice one for Mark's mum, and very timely as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Give it a wee listen to you today. She should be up there singing away. Not one I know, I confess. Um... But do you know? I, I do know it. I know. Obviously. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a oh, slow song, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. It's a ballad, and it's just—it's got a—it's got um, 
a great chorus to it that uh, you just want to sing along to. Mm. Um, you know, the op- the operator uh, says forty cents yeah. more for the next three minutes. Please, Mrs. Mm. Avery, I I just got to talk to her. I'll only keep her a while. Yeah, yeah. Nice song. Really nice yeah. Oh, lovely. That's yeah, really good. Nice song. Nice choice, Mark. Yeah. Okay. Cheers, on. Brilliant. Okay, now let's. A very underrated band, actually. Doctor Hook. They had some really big chart successes, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Don't hear much of them now. Yeah, they're probably one of those bands that I, I think I only know that song, but then there's probably. When I heard them, it'd be a lot more. But... Well, I think when you're in love with a beautiful woman, that was the most. Uh, yeah, so the two, yeah, I know the two. Yeah, they had like sexy eyes. Sexy eyes, the cover of the Rolling Stone. Okay, the cover yeah. of the Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they're kind of country rock pop. Yeah. On on the soft side, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, good. Definitely. Better love next. Better love next time. It's quite popular. <laughs> you, you know. You know. Better love next time. Yeah. Better love next time, baby. I know that one. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. I might have heard it. Yeah. 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 You know what? You'll know what. <laughs> okay. I'll have a listen. Brilliant. <laughs> nice. Okay. Thank you very much, Mark. Alan, take it away. Right. Okay. I'm on my number third choice. Yeah. My number third choice. We weren't going to correct you. We're going to make a big thing about it. It's either number three or my third choice. Yeah. Um, Yeah, choose this one. (laughs) Was written by, uh, you don't get this uh, too often. Husband and wife team wrote a song together by Joe and Audrey Allison back in 1959. It's a song about a man who's talking by telephone to the woman he loves when he realizes that she's actually with another man and um, it's called He'll Have to Go and it was sung by Jim Reeves. Now Jim Reeves was the equivalent of in our house like the Beatles I guess to my mum. I know he he, she was definitely, he was definitely her favourite, and we we played one of her their song, her one of her favourite songs at her funeral. Um, but it's not this song, um, and um, it's um, when you look at the number of songs Jim Reeves actually sang, that you know, distant drums and. Uh, things like that okay he didn't write them but he certainly knew how to sing them and i think that's what attracted to me to, to him when i was i heard it heard it being played so often and i mean she loved them so much i mean we didn't have much money but we found money to buy big james bond uh, sorry james jim reeves six disc set Wow, uh, which is fantastic for you people walking at home. You know, you've got a certificate when you bought records back then. You've got a letter from the World Record Club, and you bought it. You know, all part of the MI back then. That's how revered somebody like this was. And um, he's a great, 
great artist, but um, I loved this song. And um, and then I, I I was at the beginning of the, of the 80s, I got into a band which you all know called Prefab Spread. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the singles of their third album, their second album, sorry, um, was called When Love Breaks Down. And they released that at least four times and uh, because it just didn't get the success it deserved. But on one of the re-releases, uh, I was so pleased to just to see that um, Prefab Sprout actually did a cover of it. Okay. And it's a lovely, lovely version. So on the, on the, for you people all at home, you can see that there. Um, it's a lovely, lovely version. And um, whenever I hear that song, it just reminds me of my mum. Nice. And um, yeah, really lovely song. And, and a sad song, really. How horrible could it be when you're talking to somebody you love and then you find out she's actually with somebody else? But yeah, written by um, husband and wife team. And you let's say, you, I can't think of very many people, many, many composers who are husband and wife. But yeah, lovely song. Maybe I can Tina. Well, I can Tina Turner, yeah. Captain and Tennille. Yeah. Sonny and Cher. Yeah. The Womax, don't do it. The Womax, yeah. Yeah. Womax. Yeah, it's not many. Yeah. Freddie Mercury and Brian May. Yeah, true. Well, it's a lovely song. He's a star in my house. And I also know one of my best friends, um, Nicky Lloyd. His mum was a great fan as well. I was donated a bunch of records a couple of years ago, and there's a few Jim Reeves in there which I haven't actually got around to listening to yet. I've heard this in drums, but the the Roy Orbison version. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I uh, yeah, you know, you have to go. I can't stop loving you. Oh yeah, yeah. lovely song. Um, you won't be surprised to know that he did a cover of Moon River. Yeah, Distant Drums. Um, your wedding. So nice. Mary's boy child. Well, he did oh, really? a load of Christmas ones. Mm, okay. Very, I think he's quite a spiritual guy. But yes, the streets of Laredo. And, uh, actually, Prebub Sprout sang that on one of their later albums as well. There's more connections here than I know. <laughs> Very good. Okay. It's another one in there. Let me wind up the, um, the, the third round then. This one's going to be relatively short. Um, I suppose what I had I had to go through a list of of uh, bands that I knew or artists that that my thinking my mum what she would have put on, and she would have put on things like James Galway, Nana Muscuri, Demis Roussos, The Carpenters. Um, now none of those have popped up on here, um, and I was thinking no, 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 and definitely no. Um, and then I thought, hold on. There is something. And I seem to remember we had a, a few cassettes. And one of them was, I um, always did enjoy it when, when they were put on. And um, it's Brazilian sounding. It's very exotic when it came on. And it is uh, Sergio Mendes and Brazil 66. Well, that was, that was fantastic, putting those on. It's great. And then when it got, um, they, they came out again, didn't it? Um, Black Eyed Peas did a did a cover, or they used it, didn't they? And and created this whole 
piece around it using the music and built on it and it was just fantastic so uh, I, mean, I picked one of them on there the uh so were you going to sing that may canada was that what you're trying to sing there alan i was yeah that was um they used it for a world cup didn't they theme tune oh did they i forgot now as well i think it's a world cup theme tune yeah it's the one i'm thinking of yeah that, goes, nah, 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 that one yeah 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 Voted by that Rolling was on Stone. Album. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of hits that came off that, and 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 of course you got them all then remastered or or worked up a little bit on that timeless album that came out, which was just which was great to hear. And I do need to get that actually and put that into the list. Certainly for me, it's you know I suppose generally if I was to think of my mum, I'd probably think of putting Nana Muscuri on or Demis, but I'm going to stick May Canada instead. In, into the list. No, I like a little Brazilian samba. I yeah. can't dance it, but it's, uh, it's definitely samba music. Surely is. Well, I think it is. It is, yeah. Yeah. Mark, you know um, more than that. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't actually. Uh, I I have been I have been to samba classes. I'm <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I had a friend of mine. Uh, she uh, she went to Samba in Glasgow, and she said, "Why don't you come along?" And it was it was first time I went, and uh, yeah, I, I got a bit hooked, hooked on it for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was shit though. <laughs> Nobody wanted to dance to me. <laughs> I'm too left feet. They ran away. Uh, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. Gave them a whirl. Skills on here, really. Samba. <laughs> <laughs> Another time, McLeod. Yeah, I've got idea of that today. Brilliant. Darren, you're going to start off the last lap? Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going with, this is definitely a song that I remember my mum playing a lot. And actually, it's another artist where I could have selected three or four or five songs to put in here. But I've gone with the one that's from 1963. Uh, this was this artist's debut solo single written by Mike Hawker and Ivor Raymond. Um, and this was actually, this song was performed by this artist on the first ever edition of Top of the Pops, oh. which I wasn't aware of, obviously, until I looked it up. Um, it picked a number four in 1964, so it was on the album 1963, released in 1964. Been covered by artists such as the Bay City Rollers, the Tourists, and even Samantha Fox managed to reach number 31 with it in 1989. Ooh. And this is I Only Want to Be With You by Dusty Springfield. Um, again, just a really brilliant Sunday morning song when Sunday mornings were great and the shops weren't open and you'd go for a walk after lunch and there was nothing else to do, you know. It was just brilliant. And I remember it being played, remember enjoying it. I could have gone for Son of a Preacher Man, just don't know what to do with myself. And we could go on, couldn't we? So many songs. But... Um, Absolutely brilliant song, and that's why she's in there. Bit of Dusty. Very good, yeah. Such a great singer. Yeah. yeah. Better than Samantha Fox. <laughs> Ever so slightly. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, touch me. <laughs> oh, really? That was, that was, that was her other... Uh, I think that was Samantha oh, Fox. Yeah. Do you remember, touch me, yeah. touch me, I want to feel your body. Yeah, Your classic. Next to mine. It's all coming back to me. That's the one. You've even got the swagger down. <laughs> Always. 
<laughs> yeah, I do remember that. I don't know why, but I was a bit of a fan of Samantha Fox back in the mid eighties. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> she shops around the corner now, don't she? What in Luton? <laughs> no, she shops around the corner. Oh. She's, a, she's a lesbian, I think he's, he's trying to say. Oh, oh, I'm with you. I haven't seen her in Luton, not lately. <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, oh, brilliant. You never heard of that one, Dad? No, I haven't. No, it's lost on me completely. <laughs> <laughs> I just see her with her girlfriend and Luton. Yeah. Little waitrose. I'm always bumping into her. <laughs> well, oh, it? oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to say thank you for that one, but I don't know if I should. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was playing that album last night, actually. Well, I've got a couple of dusty albums, but I put one on last night, and every tune is so good. And I probably haven't played it, but well, I probably haven't played it ever, to be honest, since Mum did, you know? And yeah, highly recommend yeah, I, listen. I, I, I haven't got any dusty, apart from her sprint, singing with the Pet Shop Boys. I should, really. Yeah. yeah. I should have a I should have an album to be honest. I think I think Dusty like girls as well. Yeah. Yeah. In in, in later years. Later years, huh? Yeah. Okay. She shops around the corner as well. With the bloke off Camberwick Green. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Very good. Miller. There's so many female singers living in Luton these days. It's unbelievable. <laughs> okay, now we need to move on. We're massive. <laughs> Thank you. Mark, please please move us on. So this song was written... It's all turned very sexual. Uh, this song was written in a toilet uh, by a guy... Yeah, this this song was written in the toilet in about twenty minutes by by a guy who has undoubtedly a porn star name. Uh, his name is Buck Graham, and uh, he he actually wrote the hit "Only You," um, and and basically bragged to his mates that he'd written a better song uh, to to succeed it. He was the manager of the Platters way back when. Uh, the song was first recorded in 1955. Absolutely, out of the four songs that I've chosen today, this is my favourite. And it's not because it was covered by uh, my my favourite singer, Freddie Mercury. It's because uh, it just conjures up so many memories of my dad and I having a Rami about whose version was better, Roy Orbison's or Freddie Mercury's. And it is, of course, The Great Pretender. Um, I, I defy anyone to say that Mercury's version is not better than Roy Orbison's. My dad, my dad thought so. Uh, yeah, I just, I just love it. It was it, it, the lyrics as well. I, I can relate to personally. Um, I, you know, I, I went through a really 
um, <clears throat> bad phase of depression. It, and now and again, it comes back. Uh, and and, and the, the words to it just summed up Mercury. It was almost like he was writing it for himself. He, or or he, he'd written it himself, sorry. Uh, it was 1987, four years before his death. And he, he was definitely singing about his his bisexuality, his you know, his private life. He knew at that stage that he he had um he he was HIV and that it was gonna lead on to, to, to more terrible things. But he just absolutely stole it. This song this song was written for him. Um when you hear Roy Orbison or the Platters sing it, it's quite to be honest with you, I think anyway, flat. You can't relate the singer to the song. When Mercury sings it, it's just on another level. And uh, my dad did admit in later years he quite liked the version too. So this this one this one here is is yeah very close to my heart for so many reasons. Uh, we you know the lyrics are when you, when you take away the, the the kind of humorous video you can see Mercury in his pink shiny yeah. suit. You, you you strip it down. You listen to the lyrics. It's um it's quite a powerful song. So. That's getting that reminds me of Da and um and and yeah. What, what more can I say about it? You're you're putting you. Freddie version in, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. So you're not gonna let your dad have that one then? <laughs> no, no, I don't care what he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree. And the versions I've heard, I'm sure I haven't heard all of everybody's cover, but yeah, that's fantastic, isn't it? Freddie Mercury, it's absolutely stunning. And I've got a weird fact in my head that might be completely wrong, but I'm sure Chrissy Hind named her band of pretenders after that song. Yeah. Wouldn't it be Freddie Mercury's version, would it? It would have been an earlier version. But... Sam Sam Cook's version. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I'm not going crazy then. I'm sure that was there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she named the pretenders after it, yeah. Right, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic choice. Nice one, Mark. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I think good one, Mark. Four thumbs up for that one, that's for sure. Yeah. Alan, your last one. Uh, right, okay. Uh, I suppose you could call this one a bit of a novelty song. <laughs> anyway, see what you think. I don't, I don't know if um, any of you really heard of this one. But it's written by a guy called um, Alan Francis Smethurst. And uh, originally from Lancashire, but he was brought up in Norfolk and um, where his uh, dialect that he, he got to, to learn from being in Norfolk uh, would you know, make him very, very famous. Um, he actually worked for the, uh, what was called at the time, the GPO, otherwise known as the post office. And um, he was a he was a he was a postman, and on his rounds he would uh, you know sing songs that he he'd made up, and um, eventually got to be known by a local I suppose local radio celebrity on BBC Radio Norfolk. Uh, this guy was called Ralph Tuck, and he had a show called Wednesday Morning. Uh, can you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> Um, setting up nicely yeah um and um he basically uh you know played 
played this this guy did a session i think and then shortly afterwards he um he he, he actually signed him to this his own small record label something called something like the smallest record label in the world it was called and um so you know eventually he released an ep uh, called the singing postman all tracks on it the track that really became famous was called have you got a light boy and um that was my best norfolk accent dialect there and it was spelt h-e-v next word y-e-w then gotta then light is spelled l-o-i-g-h-t have you got a light boy and um uh, is a lovely lovely little song and um it's it's about smoking it's probably one of the only songs i know i was thinking do i know any other songs about smoking probably well not the um, stuff that you're allowed to smoke anyway <laughs> um legally um but yeah this just reminds me of uh breakfast times i think and um my mum would be in the kitchen making porridge uh, my dad would be there probably smoking a cigarette and uh terry wogan in the morning he used to play this a lot and um you know that when they were both smokers but um yeah the singing postman have you got a light boy and um it's got some lovely lovely lines in it and and one of the of the chorus goes molly lindley she smokes like the chimney but she's my little necker tinger <laughs> and uh yeah it's a lovely song and uh uh sadly alan um didn't come to a in the end he, he he had stage fright and um he suffered with uh, a bit like us all here alcoholism alcoholism yeah he eventually sort of uh just fell apart in the end and, and sadly died um what way to go but yeah so that was his uh gift to the world have you got a light boy i, I think the, one of the reasons why I like it is because I quite I, I quite like dialects and listen to people speak in different accents and things like that. And I like to think I I can I can mimic uh, a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's a great accent, and um, you know, I suppose it's a bit a bit like the Devonian accent in a way. But uh, but yeah. Oh. Alan Francis Smith, aka the Singing Postman. Have you got a Lloyd boy? Anyone? Nice. I, I I was aware of the singing postman. I wouldn't have known his name, and I probably wouldn't have nailed the song either. But I remember my mum at some point telling me about him, and there was this postman that was a singer. I was probably back back then. I was probably like, yeah, okay, mum, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And of course, it's been it's been replicated this year with the postman from Scotland singing sea shanties. Oh, yeah. He's a postman. Okay. Yeah, he's got a he's got a record deal or something. Uh, yeah, he's gone even viral and uh, uh, it's, it's really taken off with the sea shanties. Yeah. I, I have this. I'm the same as Darren, similar age, and I've heard of the singing postman, but I haven't got. I I, I haven't heard of. Have you got a light boy? No. I know he didn't know he had stage fright my... either. What's it have you got it? a light? Have you got a light boy? Have, have, have you have you got a light boy? Have you got a light boy? <laughs> That's why bloody spears at me. <laughs> 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 oh, 
that's that's my Michael Caine. That's the best I can do. All our cyprus to blow that bloody doors off. <laughs> oh, that was bad. That was good. That's not bad. It's 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 bad. I remember that well. I remember that well. What show was that? What show was that? That fast show. Was it was it the fast? No, it was another one. Was it Smashy in the nose? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was something like the fast show. Billy Chump. Could have been. Bobby Hogan, and Chumps. I I do remember the guy doing it. Yeah. Do Michael Payne do head you got a knife for you? <laughs> you do that? No. Uh, for this, for the sake of the listener, uh, Thank I'm, you. Not gonna, I'm not going to try it. It's like, please, David. Anyway, <laughs> that's my full and final Thank you. contribution. Brilliant. And, nice and, one. And testament that all of these are very personal to us each. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, my one, my last one. Um, I think I only probably acknowledged it when I saw Rick Wakeman play this on, he toured his album, I thought, thing called Rhapsody's um, double album where he just did covers of lots of different standards. And uh, up until then, I'd heard it. I heard my dad play this and I'd never really cottoned onto it. But once I heard it, then I suddenly became addicted to it. And I've got, on, on Spotify, I've managed to find lots of different versions of it. Um, it is... Uh, George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which quite incredibly <laughs> I've discovered came out in 1924, uh, oh, and wow. and I'm just trying to think if I if there are any other songs that I know of or song songs, uh, any other tunes which start with a clarinet right at the beginning. Like I'm sure if Woody Allen had come up with it with a lot, but um, certainly strangers on the shore. Is that? Oh yeah. Okay, so let me yeah. let me let me row back on that. There've been lots that have been <laughs> um, at start sorry, with sorry, with a David. no no you're absolutely right because I was thinking I with a, the clarinet trill I think it's called or a glissando isn't it do it but for me it's actually when it gets into the piano and it's this heavy dramatic um, piano which is this mixture of um, classical and jazz as well. I'm just trying to think. Was that Tom? There was a Tom and Jerry. There was that cartoon where of theirs where it was set on a, an orchestra with them. I don't know if anyone can remember. Did it? I think it might have won an Oscar, but I can't remember what the piece of music was. But I'd like to think it was Rhapsody in Blue. So my Fred Quimby, written by Fred. Or something like that. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, so it, it's it's a memorable piece. It's um, uh, it, I think it really set a, a new sort of style of, of jazz writing, which hadn't been around up until then. Um, and it's I think it's if I understand rightly, it's started what was known as the jazz age in in music. Um, and it was the first piece of Gershwin song that was actually inaugurated into the. Uh, America's musical history so it's got pedigree it has pedigree anyway it doesn't need to be recognized so it's a, a fantastic piece and I've still got my dad's 10 inch version of it 
which uh, has followed me around over the years. Well, I have to say, I, I love this piece of music. I, I really do. It, it just made jazz super sexy. It's, you know, you can imagine. I, yeah, I, I, it, that shrill sound of the yeah. clarinet start, then it goes into the, it's almost like a, a sexy woman wearing stockings strutting across uh, the, the stage. You know, that, it's a wonderful piece of music. Love yeah. it. Very well described. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the way it starts, isn't it? These things. It's uh, uh, gives you a it conjures up images that perhaps you wouldn't have had before. Certainly not in a number of um, sort of nineteen twenty four. Let's go back to that nineteen twenty four. You wouldn't have had that kind of style around up until then. But that opened up that that whole world from there, mm. which is good. Yeah. Excellent choice. You know, I nearly said for years and years and years, I thought that George and Ira Gershwin were a married couple. <laughs> so I there's another married couple of songwriters, but they were brothers, right? Yeah. <laughs> for years, I thought that. <laughs> Brilliant. That Excellent choice. Thank you, guys. You can tell David's a cultured one, can't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're just we're oh, just the hangers on French, isn't he? But what's wrong with the postman? <laughs> I think it's it, you know, we're we're products of our parents, aren't we? It's something you can't can't change, you can't do anything about. Um, but what you choose to hold as memories of them, they they help define you. Yeah, yeah, well said, Dave. Yeah, I'm sure there were a lot more that were played that you forget, and some things just resonate with you and stay with you, don't they? And yeah, I'm sure that it wasn't just these five or six artists I came up with. No, I was. No. There was a, there was more. I looked at. I remember I played Joe Stafford, Barbara oh. Dixon, John Denver nearly made it in there. Simon and Garfunkel nearly got in there, and Frankie Valley. But it's just they weren't strong enough memories for me. These were. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I could have put on John Denver in. Mm. I think everybody had that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Probably all thinking about the same song as well. Yeah, had uh, the Eagles in there, Neil Diamond. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, Street the, the, that nearly made it in as well. Was that Ruff yeah. Mattel? Was it? Yep, Ruff Mattel. Put, yeah. put it this way. Put it this way. There was no Gershwin. Uh, there was no Tchaikovsky or Beethoven. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I mean, I had to get into classical and jazz and, and blues and every other style of music. In, in my in my teens and twenties and thirties, mm. uh, because it was a, a strictly rock and pop house that we were in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my mother was the she, she had the eclectic, uh, the, the eclectic mix. So nice. And and that's why these you know the, these podcasts are fantastic because we will we'll listen to the uh, the songs added in and, and explore. Those, those avenues a little more. Yeah. Well, we always had music in the house. So, I mean, mainly because, you know, I was like the, I was the baby of the family. As my sister and brother before me, they were both into music. Uh, you know, had records. Um, and I did listen to their, their some of their stuff. Um, but I don't remember. 
I don't remember them as much as I remember these, like these four I've just gone through now. No. I remember them for, for other reasons, really. Yeah. Um, um, not, as you said, um, when, when we thought of this topic, it's, it's maybe not songs that you like. Yeah. Well, you do like them, but you like them for another reason because yeah. your parents like them. Yeah. It's not something yeah. you necessarily play all the time. No. But, yeah, but you like them. You resonate with them. But have, have you got a light for It's going to be on my playlist for a good <laughs> while when I can find it upstairs. I think it's going to be I on think my playlist. This one might be a song. <laughs> I'm definitely going to put that on. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we did have some classical. My mum, my mum. I remember we had the uh, Gorjak, the New World Symphony. Oh yeah, Hovis had that. Yeah, <laughs> and also we had um, um, we had War of the Worlds. That was about the height of it. What was another one? Who wrote what's the Mars? You know the thing, the planet. Holst. Yeah. Holst. Gustav Holst. Who wrote the planets? Holst. Yeah. Oh. Saying it. Holst. That's it. Holst. <laughs> so we had those two. We were slightly, we were slightly um, uh, more advanced than you are in the world of classical music. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I tell you, who introduced me to who introduced me properly to uh, classical music was Kevin Jones, the chap we worked with twenty odd years ago. Yeah. And from there, I, I was I was really into. Baroque. I really like Bach, and um, I, I started to get into to that, and then just widen out. And obviously, Holst is, is is a bit more modern day, where like you know Wagner, Benjamin, Britten. Um, but that, that that's a that's a whole new world, classical music. Good one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's not someone I would choose. And if you said right, we're going to do a podcast on classical music, I'd have to abstain. <laughs> Yeah, and me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mike, yeah. we'll do our own one then. Yeah, we'll do our own. We'll do our own. We'll do our own. Probably a much quicker show. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> uh, we'll just bore the arse of each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll see, I'll see your Gustav Holtz. I go, foray. Uh, well, um... Okay, guys. I'm, you studied somebody in, in school. Um, this was great. This is a strange one because you know when you did uh, you had a thing called the language lab. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you were Darren shaking his head oh. when you when you learned the language you had these uh, desks. It was a special room in the school called the language lab where you would go in, put headphones on, and then listen to a tape. And repeat um, whatever you were learning. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, repetez-vous, repetez-vous. And uh, so anyway, one day, teacher decided, "Stop this! We're not having French today. We'll have a bit of classical music." And um, what did he play? Oh bloody hell! Now my mind's gone again. Oh, I never heard of him. Got interest. Yeah, yeah. Once, once I remember it in about an hour's time, I'll let you know. Uh, so this is a completely no relevance to uh, to the listeners. I'm afraid it's gone. The music of he wrote the Rite of Spring. 
Still got the right spring. Oh. Look it up for me, Mark. Testing it? us now. Testing us now. Right. Stravinsky. Uh, Stravinsky. What was the name? It was something different. <laughs> he was thinking of it. That's who wrote it. Found out. My classical knowledge has been found out already. <laughs> <laughs> Rip that day, boo. Stravinsky. Repete. What have you got a light in French, David? Avez-vous un feu? Un feu. All right. That's a light as in cigarette. Avez-vous un feu, garçon? You're not allowed to. Repete-vous. Are we all Marla. right? That's it. Marla. Oh, Jesus. Marla. It's not even 12 o'clock. I think, I think you're on the sauce already. Yeah, I think so. Marla. I tell you what, he's class, Marla. <laughs> the music of Marla. Ripetto. I remember going to a restaurant in when I was when I was uh, working in France and there was this restaurant went to every now and again. One guy ran the whole, whole show. He took your order. He cooked all the food and um, in the early days when they started trying to introduce the rules laws about change about whether you could smoke in in restaurants or not and you're supposed to have divided areas he first thing you do he'd come up and then he'd sort of look at us and he'd say do you smoke and we go no so then he got a no smoking sign and just put it on our table <laughs> and <laughs> then the next people who came along do you smoke oh you do okay and he just took their sign off their table <laughs> Great. Uh, I think my, my most uh, memorable uh, experience, well, all for the wrong reasons, was having to go to the doctor when I was when I stayed in Grenoble for about six months, and um, I had to explain to them that I had piles uh -huh. in French. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, um, and and the basically piles in French is hemorrhoids, yeah, it's just hemorrhoids. Uh, back in 1997, and um, it was just funny. The, the guy was was really actually he was quite decent about it, and uh, he told me to avoid two things: alcohol and mayonnaise. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Whatever happens to you, cut out the booze and the mayonnaise. It's a good thing you didn't say you had pills because that'd be batteries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Class. Guys, let's wrap that one up. Thank you very much for your time. It's all right. It's always good to end a show with right. hemorrhoids, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought we'd do something different, end up in something different, you know, get them, get them talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure again, guys, as always. Yeah. See you, boys. Good crack. Cheers, lads. Guys, Cheers. take care all. Have a good week. See ya. Cheers. Cheers.